I don't want Greta Gerwig's next five years to no. be wasted doing Narnia for Netflix. I want it to be going to do your prime stuff, Gerwig. Also, who are you going to recast after James McAvoy did Mr. Tumnus? Timothy Chalamet, obviously. It's so... (laughs) It writes itself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Damn it, I want to see it. that I think maybe a week or two ago I made a slightly passive-aggressive comment for the Pop Kitchen fans to get off their ass and share the show. <laughs> and in that time, we, so, yeah. we like, I usually get a notification on our little analytics when we hit the top 50, uh-huh. which I'm always really chuffed about. Uh-huh. And I think if we've got in, like, just into that top 50, I've always been really happy. And sometimes we've got to the 30. Then I get this notification. Oh, no, I see this pop-up and it's like, oh, congratulations, you're at 16. And I'm like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. Knocking on the door of greatness. And then I check again the next day, 13. Mm-hmm. The next day, 10. Mm-hmm. The next day, 8. Yeah. And then we peaked at 7. Yeah. 7. This is in the TV and film chart. It's like we had a hit single out. Yeah. And it was like in the documentary seeing us yeah. climb up. We were getting up there. and We were getting so it close crazy, to being man. famous. Because it's always a we're there, like, northern just, band. Yeah. And then, and then I looked at like all the other people in the top 15, massive podcasting network, Sony Music Entertainment, Heartstopper, Ringer. Like, I'm talking like 50 podcast network yeah. corpos. Is and this... we were just there, Pulp Kitchen of Pulp Kitchen. <laughs> Is this, it was great. Um... But guys, if you did, just grab everyone. If everyone who listened grabbed their partner's phone and subscribed and listened... That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is this episode just going to be begin with us just being like, so I don't know if you heard, but uh, we charted. And then we had that news clip do very well. I also, um, speaking of that, I also feel a bit bad because last week, I believe we had an email from a guy called George who asked us the question we always get asked about, like yeah. guilty pleasures and stuff. And we, you know, we explained why we just didn't want to we ask. We get that question stuff. every but then week. You, we looked at the analytics and we realized that our audience has, you know, doubled in yeah. a short, you know, many times. And I was like, oh, this probably quite a few people who didn't know the yeah. answer to that question. And I, I think we also apologise to George. I will say apologise. I will, I will apologise again yeah. um, to, to George. And, but, but, but I will also not give an answer. You can still go back and find <laughs> previous answers. But I just want to say I didn't mean to offer any offence. And if you are a new listener, welcome, welcome to episode 92, 92 of Pulp Kitchen. We've been here. It's a sweltering day here in Great Britain and London. Yeah, it's like, it, it was like Delayed summer. summer all, year, all year was like, nah, nah. No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. And they were like, it's not going to be cold. They were like, but it's not going to be warm. Fine, look, it's it's September now. The kids are going back. And then someone was like, yeah, okay, I'll give you a bit of heat. Yeah, Yeah, I'll give you a little bit then. Boom, 28 degrees. Yeah. Which is is hot for us. Yeah. The heat heat hits different in the UK when it comes. We're not ready for it. It just cuts through. So we both went to weddings of the weekend. We did. Because we're now that age where people are kind of. Constant dizzy. I've got another one this weekend. My God, you can't move. Yeah. I've had three back to back weddings this year. Um, yeah, maybe four. And I think we're getting to that age. I realized because I saw some photos from your one. Yes, they looked like very yeah, like rustic and lovely. And uh, yeah, the one I was at was nice <laughs> yeah. as well. And I was like, oh, yeah. how beautiful! It's exactly mm. the golden hues of late summer penetrating through and warming the frame. It was a four o'clock ceremony. So yeah. you've got that post at about five, five thirty. Mm. Everyone's having canapes and champagne over a lawn where yeah. the sun's just at a nice angle. I had, um, there is a point, I'm, going, I'm getting to a point, yeah, but um, uh, there was like bottomless Aperol. And oh, I, and I forget wore, about it for coincidentally, you. an orange tie and the sunlight glinting through the Aperol. Shining through. My orange tie. Yeah. Whoa. Hello, coordination. Yeah. But I was going to say that we are getting to that age now. As the, when I was looking at these photos, it's like we, 
Do you remember that scene in 500 Days of Summer where he goes to the dinner party on the rooftop and it's like mm. expectations reality? Yeah, famous. And it's like, again, it's shot at not golden hour, but just oh, a yeah. bit before, like dusk. Mm. And, you know, with the festooned lighting and, and, and you know, it's all the kind of people dressed up, but kind of also casual. That and Regina Spector song. You yeah. never ever saw it coming That's it. And, and I remember when I watched that when I was like 17, I was like, oh, I'd this love to art. play that old and like be, be, be yeah, you know, that yeah. cool enough. Yeah, it's not about the film. It's like, oh, that kind of like, mm. you're kind of, independent enough hopefully have a little bit of disposable income enough to uh you know hang out with your friends in this kind of picturesque way which really is only for weddings and yeah, stuff. yeah um and then when i looked at the photos back from my wedding and i saw the photos from your one mm. i was like oh uh, we've reached that point where we're able to go every so often it's kind of lavish parties i did uh, this actually i will give a shout out to lucy cridland who sat next to me oh yeah and uh she said to me look i wouldn't she said i I'm, I, I'm gonna be honest, George. I, 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 I'm, I'm a huge fan girl. I'm a fan. I'm fan girling right <laughs> nice. now. And she was like, I, I listen to your show every. Uh, you know, just of me <laughs> in general. Um, she she was like, I listen to the show I do every week. Routines. <laughs> but she's she's the sister of a good friend of mine. Oh, but nice. she listened to the show for about a month before she realised it was me. Oh wow! And then she yeah. was like, did the double take. Yeah. So this one goes out to you, and I, I enjoyed milking the kind of friend of the show association so if she yeah. was like oh could you pass the broccoli or we'd lovely food pass yeah. the broccoli and stuff i go yes for, 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 for a friend of the show oh, of course yeah. there Love you that. go it was great so Did they ask you what you thought about recent films no thankfully yeah actually no that's what we, that's what that's the dead end you can go my down. considering we talk about films for two hours every week if not more my mind goes so black when people are like what have you seen this week that's good and i've literally seen like three things this week that are good but my mind just goes it's because i've got no yeah. idea what as we've realized before it's like you and i because we do like this right show, now i'll very happily talk to you yeah. for two hours this about is what's what we, good we save the middle ground for now but yeah. when we actually speak to people it's like we have two options we give you a five second answer yeah. or a five minute answer and i'm conscious of being that person who does a film podcast in their spare time he's like well you know really yeah, think exactly. about scrapper so someone said oh what do you think of oppenheimer i'm like do you want my five ten minute review or do you yeah. want a five second thing because yeah. i'll probably just oppenheimer is, it's five seconds or five minutes yeah exactly yeah. so i had a I had a five minute conversation about oppenheimer at my wedding yesterday yeah they, did they, they were like five seconds. the guy was like oh what do you do and i said oh i work in like you know media and i do i do this film podcast on the side and he was like oh right so what did you think of Oppenheimer? And then I gave him a five second one. He's like, you know, I think it's a really demanding film, but like so much of it, I really enjoyed, which is like my five second answer. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, because I thought this, 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 and then let was just forget about it. it was yeah. t- and then someone else joined in. It's like, well, you know, I thought that. <laughs> there yeah. you go. It happens. Anyway, episode uh, ninety two. Got 92. some. We are at that time of the year now, which I really like, mm. which is that summer is the summer period is over. The schools have gone back. And the big, big movies, the blockbusters, the ship is kind of sailing out the harbour now. It's exactly the same thing. And left and incoming into the port are the smaller, more interesting yep. indie films. Not necessarily Oscar contenders, a bit early for no. that. Um, but like the smaller, more interesting ones can kind of bubble through. So I told you a few weeks ago I had summer studio fatigue. Yes. And I'm not saying these are like yeah. small, small films. I just mean like that coming out of yeah. Gran Turismo. Give me a bow is afraid. Yeah. Oh give, my God. Give me something weird, chewable, something weird yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a, a palate cleanser to come in. So yes. you kind of have the change Just like a um, smaller idea, smaller concept. Smaller budget. Trying to ta- smaller budget, trying to tackle less. I think it's quite refreshing. I was, I was thinking about that on the way in actually, because I was thinking about uh, how much I loved Ry Lane because it was sunny yeah. and I was listening to some of this, this yes. music. And I was like, because I think Ry Lane is like... Uh, I, I, as I get older, it's my thing with films is almost a bit my thing with food, which is like, you know, I love food and I can put it away. You, you've seen me. Seen it, yeah. But 
really more often more often than not I like less is more I don't need mm-hmm. a lot I like I don't like overindulge overeating don't want to feel, yeah yeah and so like I like you have these big films it's great and the, the mm. pomp and the circumstance and it's like, but you sometimes just a little simple film a little mm. something like it's, you don't also, eat, you don't eat Lane Michelin every night yeah no, and Rye Lane isn't simple it's actually incredibly well crafted and yeah. like beautiful and all that kind of stuff but like it's a small. It's it's not in with the big crowd. It's not playing. It's not playing the O2. I'm not watching Scrapper thinking. Are they moving backwards through time now? You know, it's like yes. it's just yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Is it like I mean, is it which part of the the loop of time? Yeah, no. you don't need to think that. It's a relationship. You want a film that could play the O2 Brixton, not the O2 Academy. Like, not sorry, the O2 Brixton, not the O2. Give me one more metaphor. <laughs> You want? Uh, We've done Mission Star versus Home Cooking. We've done. I haven't got one. Let's just no, start the show. Let's Here do we it. go. Bye. So, George, you know that a couple of weeks ago, someone wrote in with an email saying, "What are some of the great child performances that really stood out to you that yeah. you remembered?" And I wish I could have seen Scrapper two weeks ago to scream at the top of my lungs, Lola Campbell in Scrapper and it right. was her first it's her first film she's like I think 11 12 years old but, uh, so, uh, she directed that yeah and but Charlotte Regan no, 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 directed this film Charlotte Regan. Molly Manning Walker is, sh- is the cinematographer for this film oh, yeah that name really rings a bell yeah she did How to Have Sex this year yeah but I haven't seen that that, has, that hasn't come out yet yeah, young young female directors just popping off this yeah, year fantastic um, so Scrapper Stars uh, is all about a character called Lola Hi guys, sorry, just a quick one. Uh, it's James editing the show a day later. I just realised in this review that I got so excited talking about how good the actor Lola Campbell is in this film that I ended up calling the character Lola. The character's name is not Lola, the actor is Lola. The character's name is Georgie. So for the rest of this review, every time I say Lola, I really mean Georgie. That's all, sorry. Little correction, back to the show. Uh, it's all about a character called Lola, who's age 12, who now lives by herself in a flat after her mother recently died. And she's been able to do this in this period of time after her mother's death by very cleverly tricking social services over the phone to convince people that actually her uncle is staying with her when really she's raising herself now. And it's completely unaddressed grief. It's sort of like a real sort of completely fallen through the cracks of the system. And the opening frame of the film are the words written, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm. And then child's handwriting crosses it out and says, I can raise myself, thanks. Mm. And that's exactly what Lola's doing. She barely makes rent by stealing bikes and selling them for parts, hence the scrapper name. And she goes into, she's sort of a bit of like a chancer, trickster, Dell boy sort of like, you know, she's stealing bikes and people come like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, we're just checking the safety. And she's like really funny, mm. but there's sort of a vulnerability behind her. And she goes into her local corner shop and she gets the guy who runs the corner shop to do voice recordings of like, yeah, we're fine, thanks, just having dinner now. Yeah, Lola's doing great. So uh, that when nice. social service is cool, she plays the voice notes back and then, can we speak to Lola? And then she runs across the other side of the room and it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm over here. So she's like mm. sort of in a lot of ways very very capable, and that again like that central performance for twelve years old incredibly natural, cool. downplayed, like I said an undertone of sadness and regret that's unaddressed, but sort of through Lola's eyes it's still very lighthearted mm. and playful, um, and her father returns back into Lola's life by sort of like an intruder climbing over the back of the garden fence. It's like the sense that he's not really allowed to sort of have come back into her life, but he's sort of breaking back into her life. And there's a character called Jason, played by Harris Dickinson, Man who's having moment. such a moment right now. So I mean, right now. 
He's, I think last week he had his GQ feature cover. And in this film, he's wearing these like sort of color clash urban clothes with a gorgeous jacket that genuinely could have been from his GQ cover, yeah. like shoot. Like easily that could be a Vogue Saint Laurent jacket and, and mm. neon shorts combo that would Fantastic. be like three grand. But he's got the sort of Eminem uh, bleached, yeah. bleached buzz cut, just... Having, he's having a real moment. He is. He is. I, think, I feel like if there, if a picture was released on the internet of him like kissing Paul Mescal, <laughs> everyone would just explode. <laughs> we would explode. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to take a week off just yeah. to process. Oh my god. <laughs> we take a week off every week. We'd James. have tattoos <laughs> at the moment on our arms. We, we, we do take a week off every sure. week because then we take a week. Oh, ridiculous. So the film is really about they've come back into each other's lives. It sort of implied that um, Jason. He, he's playing someone who's about 24, 25, and Lola's about 11, 12. So he would have had Lola really, really young. You've got the sense that he's missed out on... That can't be right. What, 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 14, like, 15, right, something 14, like that. 15, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe younger than 24, but like, of, you know, teenager, a teenage right. childhood. And I think the sense that he lost a large element of his childhood and he's been uh, a club rep in Ibiza, right. like just living it up, doing that young thing, sort of running away from the kid that he's had. Um, and I think... I think the film's really strong, and I think the strengths for me lie in this film where it tries the least, oddly enough. I think when it's at its most still and its most contemplative and the less it's doing is when I felt a real attachment to it. Um, and there's a lot of the time where like, the less it's doing is that it's not relying on dialogue. You're actually just watching these two characters get to know each other, retrust each other, and watching them pass the time. There's this really great scene where they're on a railway platform making fun of the other people across the way, like trying to imagine what their voices are like, and so there's sort of this drama, comedy to it. Um, and it's asking a lot less of the dialogue to tell you who these people are, and much more in just getting a sense of their energy and what might have happened to them and why they are the way they are. And that part of it really works. And I think the chemistry between them is just is just mm. so, so well done. When I think about like child adult actor chemistry, it's like it goes straight to the top of my list for that. Um, there's this one really great moment where she cracks her tooth on some garlic bread Ooh. that he burnt like at dinner. And yeah. it's like, you know, she oh, look, cracks it, like she loses the tooth. And, you know, he feels this sense like, oh, we should probably do the whole tooth fairy thing. So she goes to sleep and he assumes that she's put the tooth under her pillow. So he goes upstairs and like tries to sneak his hand under. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, you know, like, I was just, just making sure your tooth is there for the tooth fairy. She's like, what's a tooth fairy? Well, you know, you lose your tooth, you get a couple of quid. And then she's like, well, she probably owes me like 20 quid then. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this like really funny, like witty dialogue. Um, it reminds me a lot. Of, I can't help but think if After Sun hadn't beat this film to it. Yeah, I was going to say. I wonder if Mora would have been made of it because it's like, you know, we're only a year or so away yeah. from that film. Or do you think it helped it? Could be. I, I, I can't quite decide if it's a, too a close benefit to or too I did, close. I was going to say young father, too young father with a young daughter, yeah. a precocious young daughter. A haunted darkness from the past that sort of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot also of... Um, reminded me a lot also of Sean Baker's The Florida Project. Yes. You saw a lot yeah, in there. And then Andrew Arnold's Fish Tank. Yeah. You see a lot yeah. of elements there. Um, it's interesting, even at 84 minutes, which was a real selling point to see the film, as per usual, there were a couple of the techniques used to progress the story that I don't think 100% landed from me. Okay. So it's very playful with how it tells a story of its location and where it is. And there are some things that it does with like a mockumentary style where it breaks the fourth wall and you cut to her teacher because she's not in school and you cut to the local kids at the playground and they're doing these sort of like quippy, mm. 
office mockumentary style bits to camera. And those, those didn't quite land for me because I think there's something to be said about interrupting the flow of your film. Mm. You know, you've got a really good scene about what I just kind of said, really great chemistry where there's actually no dialogue yeah. and, it's, and the music rises and I'm connecting. And then I think it, the film like hard interrupts mm. with a sequence. It's almost like stuff you would do in act one. Yeah. They're bringing later into act two and three. I think it just yeah. kept doing it. So even 84 minutes, I'm like, lose that. Yeah, really like you can lose you that. Like, that now, yeah. There's a whole bit. I'm already with invested. Yeah, yeah, I'm already in. I'm actually just you just get cut off the energy of a really good moment. And there's this bit where the spiders in the house are talking to each other like characters from an NES game. Right. All right, that's really creative. But in this film, I'm not sure it fits 100. percent NES, uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Right. Like the boxy one. You, you know what well, NES old, is? Back in the day. Yeah. Like like you know like old school. You never play Pokemon. Uh, on my Game Boy. Yeah, but you color. know when like the dialogue bits come up in the box and it's like uh, Pikachu, yeah. you, like that kind of style of right. like I, you know, like dialogue coming in. Um, Harris Dickinson's really, really good in it, and I think something I don't know how they've they, the, with the director with the performances managed to get that incredible sense of chemistry out of the performance. And I think I left the film with this warm, refreshed, and delighted feeling, and I had a really nice time with it. Oh, that's lovely. I was I, I'm really intrigued to see it, and I want to catch it out. And yeah, 84 minutes, fantastic. Yeah. Do you think it make a good Double bill with After Sun. Are they too? The, the overlap is too. I can't tell. Probably not. Mm. Okay. Because I think they 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 are s- trying to achieve very different things. Yeah. But After Sun, funnily enough, is a lot more flow. Mm. It, you know. You know what I mean. It goes it sounds straight darker through. After Sun. After Sun's darker. There 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 is a real sense of you know unaddressed sadness in Scrapper. Mm. Um, and like two people who probably don't know how to connect to each other, yeah. crashing it back into each other's lives and trying to realize who they are. Like that's that's there, but it's all, it's very light and very playful, which is what's very kind. I will say again, although I haven't seen Scrapper for our new audience, so I, I was going to say oh, I'm going to repeat myself, but now I'm aware that we have new, a lot of new listeners. Yeah, I won't be repeating myself, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm James. <laughs> um, a film about an absent uh, a deceased mother absent father returning to mm. a very playful, inventive, childlike nature of the world. Going to recommend Taika Waititi's Boy. Mm. Again, for me, his best film still, 2010. Check that out. That's really great. Yeah. But that was Scrapper. Have you seen it? Are you a big Harris Dickinson fan? We've had some emails about him already. Mm. Let us know what you thought of Scrapper. I don't know if it's been out yet in like the States or something. I, I, mean, I, I, I can't imagine it getting a huge... Pick no, it there, depends but... how much they're enjoying Harris Dickinson, but he's British, so maybe we're getting an inflated sense of how oh, hot Harris, he is right well, yeah, oh, Har- Harris Dickinson is a very English Harris, name. Yeah, no, no. Harris, oh, Harris Dickinson. Dickinson, yeah. Dickinson, come here. Dickinson. Harry. <laughs> Thank oh, you. So, sorry, I did appreciate the, uh, the, sort of the, the, lack, the way that which the emotion of the film isn't really addressed kind of feels like it's from Lola's perspective. Nice. I think the camera work is often uh, shot at the height of Lola. There's lots of really great... Um, pops of color of like you know like multicolored magnets on a fridge yes and those you know those multicolored feather dusters yes really good use of just like splashing color and what could otherwise right be depicted as a very like drab uh like flat yeah. and i was like yeah you've, you've actually shot this in a different way in an interesting way it's very colorful very bright i appreciate it sorry just the last comment on the cinematography of scrapper lovely jubbly so another film i got to see this week is past lives which is directed by celine song and um, I really like it when a film has a stickiness to it. And after I finished the film, I, was, I got home in my flat and I had a re- Usually I like to put on music or a podcast when I have a shower. Mm. But for some reason, I didn't feel like it. And I ended up having this really elongated, moody shower, oh, thinking okay. about the film and how sticky it was, mm. how great the ending was. 
and I was really excited to talk about it and I'm excited for other people to see it because mm. I think it's really, really good. Uh, Past Lives is a film that's mostly in Korean. I think it's about 85% in Korean with bits cool. of English in there, which I don't know why it's worth acknowledging, but I sort of like English was there, but it was very much mm. a very small, insignificant part of it. Um, it explores this concept of in yun, which is acknowledged in the film as a sort of uh, cultural thing, but also like very sappy and romantic and use the concept to try and get people to sleep with you. And it's this idea of how fate brings two people's lives together based on countless connections from their previous lives. So something about me and you draws each other together, right. not just because of this life, but because of ways in which our souls have communicated in the past life. James, you're, and, you're moving me I know, serious. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have mics in previous lives. Yeah. It was just two guys on a rock. Um, and then how, you know, even if we're not here together, maybe in a future life, something right, different would have happened. Metaphysical existential stuff. Yes. Uh, and this film takes place in three different time periods, uh, in the early noughties, 2010s, and then present day. Um, we start in South Korea, and Na Young has a crush on another boy in her cast called Hae Sung. Um, and they're too young to properly be in love, but they're probably old enough to feel in love. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of age where yeah, they're yeah. sort of like you know, uh, 11, 12. And just as you know, even their parents are starting to acknowledge that you know, there's clearly this bond and this connection between them. Uh, Na Young's parents are planning to move countries to go and live in the US. And so naturally they drift apart, uh, their lives move onwards. 12 years later, we catch up, and this is all sort of very much in the beginning. Uh, and I'm going to be very careful not to spoil this yes, film and please. where it goes, because I think what it reveals to you, I think, is really special. So don't worry too much about the plot. I'm going to be very light touch. Um, 12 years later, Na Young is living in New York as an aspiring writer. And just to mention, this is a, uh, a film written and directed by Celine Song, who this is very heavily based on her life. So she, okay. as a writer, her background is in the stage, as a playwright, mm. she now directs films, but like this is all very personal. Um, and then Hai Sung, uh, played by T.O.U., and sorry, Na Young's played by Greta Lee, and uh, Hai Sung's played by T.O.U., is studying engineering still in Seoul. And they have this sort of weird happenstance link through a Facebook group that her dad is connected to that links them back together. And they're both like, oh my God, I, that, that guy I haven't thought about him in such a long time and just like a lot of people would have done in that time you find a way to sort of Skype call them and mm. despite the time difference they arrange to like have a call and say hi and they meet and you know one person's in the middle of the night the other person's first thing in the morning and they have this really sort of like quiet contemplative discussion where they have this again this connection and they sort of acknowledge that when they were younger they felt something but you know they mm. were so young you can't really acknowledge what it was and there's also this, uh, this connection to an immigrant experience, which I'll get onto later, whereas, you know, uh, Na Young's living in America and she's adopting a whole new culture, but she still very much identifies as Korean and wants to connect with that. And Hai Sung really represents, like, keeping in touch with that Korean side of her. So they sort of can't explain why, but they end up doing these daily phone calls. And, you know, night or day for one of them while they're both studying. And they keep calling and calling and calling and have these really elongated phone conversations. But they realize that both of them are studying. Mm -hmm. No one's willing to move or travel. And they make the decision to stop talking. And they basically put the thing on ice. It's very sad. And they're both sort of like, well, what mm -hmm. do we do? Cut 12 years into the future. Right. We get to our final time period. And again, this isn't spoiler. This is like the very sort of premise of the film. We catch them. That, that, that much later. Um, and it's now before midnight. And it's now, well, I'm going to get <laughs> on to that. It, re it really is very much, loads of references to it. So this is, it's, uh, I think, about 45 minutes into the film where I think it really 
begins and it really kicks into this higher gear of a really soft intimate but very intense film um, and this whole idea is that after all this time Hei Sung decides he's going to visit New York and Nayong's very excited to see him but you know she now has a husband and has a whole different life and I think I think Past Lives is a really special film it's a feature, day, feature film by Celine Song who has a background in the stage um, and I can really see the DNA of a stage director in this film, but it never feels stagey. Okay. Not in the way that I think we've talked about other films feeling stagey. Yeah. It really indulges in the larger canvas that a camera and cinema can provide. It has a really wonderful sense of place, both from Seoul and New York. And it's... It's one of the most dramatic films I've seen, but only in undertone. Mm. It the, the not, nothing about the dialogue was sensationalist, or and it even tries to at many times like bring itself back down to earth. And like, well, that's like you know, what I talked about the Indian being a really cheesy concept and sort of addressing really obvious dynamics that are in play. It's like yeah. we know that this is on your mind, and we're actually going to subvert what you think about that. I'm trying to be really sort of uh, lie on spoilers here. Um, and everything takes the form in very realistic conversations. And I think those just constantly layer and reveal the emotions of these characters. And I, I just got such a wonderful sense of who these people really were as the film evolved. And there are, as you said, many, many comparison, uh, comparisons to, I think, specifically Before Sunset. Mm, oh, my um, favorite. So, which, which is, I think, both of our favorite ones. Um, and all of this, all the Before films, I think, have a really strong sense of place. Like, the cities they're, they're based yeah. in, the countries they're based in. And, but I think... Despite that, you're always hyper-focused on the conversation, the dynamic, and that can actually very quickly fall away. Mm. And you find that similarly with this. Um, and if I anyone's think, lost, we're talking about the Before Trilogy. The before we trilogy. did a bonus episode. For any new listeners, go back and check that out earlier this year. Great trilogy. And this entire film lives in between the lines of dialogue. I have never seen a film that lets each line of dialogue breathe for so long. Mm. And it sounds boring but no, it no. wasn't like like every line was given seconds to breathe and it was all about the raising of eyebrow like glancing mm. at lips mm. prolonged eye contact and it just i just got the sense this is a really real story mm. a really personal story I, it felt like it had been you know when something feels really in, in uh, intimately and delicately put together mm. like i didn't want to sneeze Crafted, near it yeah. in case it all just blew off the <laughs> table like you know just like beautifully yeah. woven it felt it felt really true performances were incredible framing was was something that you'd see entire scenes start with different framing and towards the end the framing was opposite and it was for a real reason mm. i just thought oh you've really taken me for on a visual design. journey there yeah it's one of the most nostalgic films i've seen in a really long time and I started Googling the definition of nostalgia because I was like, oh, nostalgia pain from is... from an old wound. It's, yeah, it's like pain Don Draper past, told me in the first episode of Mad Men. Right, yeah, it's like pain from something that's lost that you'll never get to see again. Um, like all this like, idea of what memory is, how it provides you with a sense of who you are, but also for something that you've lost and can't get back for a Ugh. moment in time. Um, and just like, what is love? Maybe <laughs> like, don't hurt me. <laughs> maybe don't hurt me. Uh, I think it's, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't want to say really anything no, about what don't. happens in the sort of last hour of the film. But um, yeah, stickiness, realness, and just really delicate and intense in the best way. I, I really hope people go and see it. I mean, I was already sold. I saw a trailer before Barbie for it. And I was like, oh, wow, this looks really good. And then I did the thing. I did, well, I'm not looking at that anymore because yeah. I, I actually want to see that. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I, I will absolutely make an effort to see it and hopefully we can talk about it on a, maybe on a bonus. And, like, yeah, I'd love terms. to. I'd love to go into spoilers. I'm sure when people see it, they'll want to hear more about um, it. And uh, that's, I just, just, and also it sounds right up my street. And yeah. I, I, I think, you know, when these kind of films are done right, it can really, it's just so good. The, that kind of, 
that middle ground, that kind of non-English uh, speaking um, kind of romantic cinema. I think of like worst person in the world. Yeah. Well. Just, just great. give me something else. In a oh, different it'd be style. a great, great double bill with worst person. Oh, good. I think so. Yeah, it'd be really good. Did you miss the beginning of this one because you're trying to get ice <laughs> no, cream? I made it, but I will <laughs> say, um, I think this is what I saw passages which we're talking about later. These smaller non-studio films have less marketing yes. association trailers to show. I got, so it was like a 130 screening. I got in at like 138 and the film was playing by 1.42. Whoa, yeah. So you had 12 minutes from the screening time to yeah. like the film starting. Yeah, I'm just saying, guys, watch out. Warning. Yeah. You, need, you should not, don't take, oh, I've got 25 minutes every uh, single time. Yeah, I was on the Prince Charles Cinema the other, website the other day and they were like, in all caps, yeah. bold and red, our films start 10 minutes after the yeah. show time. Do not be late. Look, I think if you're going to see like the Green Flash Lantern Man of Steel 3, yeah. you're probably going to get 25 minutes, 30 minutes of ads. Yeah. But for these smaller films, just watch it. You yeah. can miss it. And you, they're the films that you don't want to miss the start of. So that was Past Lives. We yeah. will hopefully definitely talk about that again once, once I've seen it. But if anyone out there has seen it, is anyone else there loved mm. it, write in oh. to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Why is it whenever we close it off, there's I always, always have another, another thought. thought. There's always the epilogue. Thought. Go on then. Again, I, just, I did comment before on the immigrant experience. I love the way it described the immigrant experience of someone who'd been a child yes. in another country. And then that idea of um, they come to a new country, develop a relationship with a new country and people from that new country, they themselves feel really distinctively, in this case, Korean. But when they are faced with someone who is fully Korean, who lives in Korea, and you know, and then they, they actually see how different they are and they're really confronted with like this lack of identity of actually belonging nowhere. And I thought that was really well done. You know, interesting, it made me think of Joyride, which I know is trying to do something completely right, different. Yeah, yeah. So much of that comedy framing was about the immigrant experience, the sense of identity mm. and who you are. And I actually praised Joyride of the many things I kind of didn't like about it. I thought it was an interesting comedic take on that. And I thought this film really sort of captured that. And I think Celine Song's talked about that and the cast were talking about their own experiences of being mm. immigrants in different countries and how that frames who they are. Just really smart and subtle and again, just, just intimate and soft. Did and you ever see The Farewell? No. Oh, that was good. That was a... That was a uh, uh, that was great with Aquafina, where it's like it's the Chinese American family, the and they have to go back to China because their matriarch is, you know, the grandmother of the matriarch is ill, but no one, she doesn't know she's ill, ill. Oh uh, yeah, and yeah. they all have to kind of like so it says based on a true lie. Yes, and that that has a lot in it about you know Aquafina's side of the family who moved to the states and left all this behind, mm. and then there's the family who are in China, but then there's also a, a, an uncle who went off and lived in Japan, mm. and it's yeah, I loved all that. It's another just another great, great yeah. film. I'm still waiting for Lulu Wang's next film actually. I don't know when that's coming. Oh. When was when was Farewell out? 2019. Oh, get me on. <laughs> anyway, that was Past Lives. Yes. Guys, don't forget we have a bonus episode coming out this Friday. We haven't done the last couple of weeks because of just busyness and life. But um, well, it's also been all, it's been a very quiet time. Yes, a little bit quiet actually. too. Yeah. Um, so I did a review of Passages, which is out this week, starring uh, Ben Whishaw. It's an Ira Sachs movie. And George, you went on an inflamed <laughs> rant about uh, a film called You Hurt My Feelings with Julia Louis Dreyfus and Tobias Menzies from The Crown. Um, 
Yeah, I, I got a little it's a bit good one. You want to you want to listen to this one? I That'll think that'll be out really this Friday. But anyway, George, it is time to go through some of the emails that we get sent in from our listeners. They send in their thoughts, their questions, their concerns to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. dot com. Just, Just like Charlie did. Charlie writes in uh, and says, "Scrapper review, how fitting." Says, "Hi, fellas. I had the pleasure of seeing Scrapper early at the Edinburgh Film Festival, but didn't realize my two favorite gents I tune into would be thinking of watching it. I love the film, and to be honest, it's one of those classic, quick British." independent films that go under the radar every year usually made by film four or the like Mm. (coughs) i know know exactly yeah yeah. you've definitely painted uh yeah a good picture of this Uh, i love these films as they're usually short yes the cinematography is the type you can watch on your home telly and not be worried about missing too much that's Mm. quite an interesting Mm. thing that like something that works for the home telly they're quite televisual but not in a anything that diminishes the film there's probably quite an art in that because i think everything's leaned so much on oh you gotta see it on the big screen you gotta mm. see imax there's probably I something quite the more intimate a film the better it plays i think and i talked screen. about this phenomenon of like it doesn't matter how much you cater your film to the big screen the vast majority of your film will exist forever in time on a small on screen, a small screen. Yeah. It does, unless your film's really really unique and iconic and it gets relisted every year yeah. there's a three month window where, if you're lucky yeah. a one month window where your film's in cinema and then for the rest of time yeah. it will not be seen that way so why don't you format it to the small screen um, I love these films usually short cinematography is quite watching at home telling you not get too worried about missing too much and usually the scripts and acting are super tight I think yes tight mm-hmm. like locked in tight yeah and yeah they usually have a that's why they're usually 90 minutes. They're mm. tight and well-disciplined. I think because directors have to cram so much in with their budget, it helps them not overindulge, brackets like one Nolan, brackets controversial, I know. Mm. Anyway, I hope you really enjoyed the film and got as much out of it as I did. I thought it was a perfect mix of complex family relationships and an exploration of working-class Britishness as it was nostalgic for my own childhood. Anyway, my question for the two of you is, are there any movies you consider bad or maybe just wasted potential that with another director would be great? For example, purely on a concept level, I think Jordan Peele or Donald Glover would do amazing things with Horns, the Daniel Radcliffe one. Anyway, hope you're well. I listened to your episode whilst folding napkins. Fire alarm on my end. Oh. Charlie from Edinburgh. I like that. So it's like a fi- like a just folding kind of siren. Folding napkins, I assume, because I used to fold napkins when I worked I, in a restaurant. I'm imagining... Table service, mm-hmm. nice restaurant, white tablecloth. Yeah, or the or the an red, hour the before, red, an hour before service, the red and white checkered tablecloth yes. clipped in over the top. I'm Do you get like a protractor and measure the, the distance between the knife and the champagne glass? And, and I think uh, wearing uh, a shirt with a with a tie and maybe even a waistcoat, apron. That would be an apron and waistcoat. Could be maybe. Is he not allowed to wear a waistcoat? Are they, are they usually usually apron round the waist or apron depends yeah. on what type of waiter you are. But now he's gonna have a waistcoat as well. That's how fancy I think that that's we pit, we painted you perfectly. Um, to ask uh, a question so, about a films that you wish to have you done. Yes, um, uh, recent example, Knock at the Cabin. I'm not sure yeah, film oh that God. could have been a really good tight fun like, you just annoyed me by yeah, bringing up that because film again. It's, it's it's rubbish but <laughs> yeah. but if that had been done by that could have been fincher-esque that could have been yeah. uh you jordan could have done, jordan peele could yeah. have been esque i think i said that at the time actually yeah um i would also say a film i've mentioned this before but again for our new listeners um mm. there's a film called vox lux with, mm. with natalie portman which has got a really great premise and it's a mess, an absolute mess. Go look it up. And it blends like high school shooting, fame, pop star melodrama over like 20 years. It sounds really interesting. It's shot beautifully. He's got a really interesting cast, really interesting Jude Law performance and narration by Willem Dafoe. Mm. And it's absolute pants. And I just wish someone else had written that and done it better. You know what film has wasted potential? Fan four stick with that cast. Fan four. Yes, you're absolutely right. Come yeah. on. Yeah. 
I know it's called Fantastic Four, guys. Yeah, but but it's, it's, it's in the thing. Yeah, you're right. Miles Teller, Jamie Bell, Kate Mara, and mm. Jamie Bell. And sorry, the other one was mm. uh, Michael B. Jordan. Mm. Jamie Bell is one of those actors who I would like to see more of. 100%. Whenever I see He's him, I'm, I'm always going, yeah, Billy. Jamie Bell. Yeah. Go on, Billy. Go on, Billy. <laughs> Go on, Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told that on there. No, tell it on there. That's a good story. <laughs> we went to go see Billy Elliot on lastminute.com, which is when you get like day of or day before tickets. They were like 17 pounds. We were like, yeah, like it. Let's like have a couple of titties and go see Billy Elliot. Such was my youth. And then, you know, our seats we were in were like obstructed view way out to the side, but it wasn't full. So we were like, okay, let's just go move to like posher seats. So like maybe like in the interval, we moved in to like proper really good seats. And this guy sat in front of us, who I think was some sort of like Russian opera extraordinaire. Every time Billy would do something like tap dance and just go, just go mental, he would go like this, oh, go on, Billy, go on. And like Billy Elliot's like kind of like an upbeat beat crowd, but like everyone could hear this guy. And we were cracking up so much, even in the really intimate scenes when he's with his mom, who's yeah. dead. He's like, oh, Billy's so beautiful. Go on, Billy, go on. The side <laughs> clap. The side clap. Yeah. And then he's like dancing with the older version of himself. Yeah. He's like, oh, Billy. <laughs> Standing ovation, like before anyone else stood up. So that I, every time someone so says now, Billy Elliot, I'm no, like, go on, Billy. Anytime you see Jamie Bell, now you have to think that, oh, go on, Billy. Go on, Billy. And obviously it wasn't even Jamie Bell on the stage version. But you anyway. also sounded vaguely like Jamaican when you said that. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, just way off. Go on, Billy. Oh. Next email is from Adam, who says, Hi, James. Hi, George. I hope you're both well. Firstly, thank you so much for reading my email about Mission Impossible a few weeks ago. Oh, it made my week. Oh, you're welcome. I wanted to say how overwhelmed I am with upcoming movie releases at my local cinema. Mm. Since Barbenheimer, it has seemed a bit quiet in, in terms of new films, but Barbie still has the most screenings every day. It's at the top of the list when you go to book, yep. which to me indicates that it's still most um, game, most book. And I still see waves of pink adorned viewers rush to the Odeon. Other view, other, other um, <laughs> brands of cinema are available. Yeah. I'm super happy that it's finally reached Barbillion. Nice. nice. And I can't wait to see what Gerwig does next. We're we going to make... This. A bar billion dollars. <laughs> we haven't talked about this. Go, Greta Gerwig is doing two Narnia films next. Yeah, and I, I and I think I, well, maybe we did talk about it on air, but I can't remember. Did but, we? But I, I was sad. I, I talked about it again. It's like when you talk when when we hear that um, Neil Blomkamp is doing Gran Turismo. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Yeah, I really would have wanted you to do something really different. And like, don't get me wrong. I fully support and believe in Greta Gerwig. Yeah, to, make the films to she do wants it to make. well. And I, I think those films would be interesting. But it's like. I, I want I want to just just I know, to do your own I, thing. I know that story. We yeah. got like in our lifetime, yeah. we had like big budget studio reboot, re, the, the yeah. retelling of that, and they were okay. Yeah. I understand its place in like fiction and fantasy and culture, but I don't. I really don't need another Lion Witch no. in the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian. I, I don't want Greta Gerwig's next five years to no. be wasted doing Narnia for Netflix. I want it to be. Going to do your prime stuff, Ger Gerwig. Also, who are you going to recast after James McAvoy did Mr. Tumnus? Timothy Chal Chalamet, obviously. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it right. <writes> She's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Damn it, I want to see it. Sasha Ronan <laughs> is the Snow Queen. Oh God. Uh, agenda flip. Florence Pugh is our plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to Adam's email. 
Having said that, looking ahead, there's a 30th anniversary screening of one of my top three movies of all time, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Then there's Past Lives we've done today. The creator, the create that's the creator's out soon. That's the Gareth uh, Edwards that, one with that John the, David Washington. That looks really shot good. on the FX3. I know I keep mentioning it, but yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> and a haunting in Venice. Okay, look, you yeah. might be the only person who's excited about that, Adam. That we might, we might review out. it, but it's coming. I told you that like, people were chuckling at the trailer because this sort of yeah, he's been it, it, it hides Kenneth Branagh that it's a, I, that it's a I, what's the face film for a long time. Yeah, it hides the fact that it's a poro. Yeah, I would rather see that film if it had Steve Martin's Pink Panther in it. There's been a haunting in Venice. Oh, I would love a Steve Martin Pink Panther film today. Yeah, I don't care where we think comedy is going. I would love that. Uh, by the way, I'm a. I, I'm, we're not going to review it now, but I'm just going to say I, I really, really enjoy Only Murders in the Building. Oh uh, yeah, if, Natalia too. It's a real nice, really complete change of pace from yeah. anything else on TV. Having said that, oh yeah, blah, 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 um, is not too far. There's also rescreenings of 2001, A Star is Born, yes. Joker, Batman, etc., etc., And lots of things to keep you busy on I... a Saturday. P.S. Public service announcement. Cinemas are awesome. They are. They are great. I think this is, I think I'm noticing a big push on, because I think look, the, the, the cinemas have this problem is they cannot create new reasons to come to the cinema, really. Yeah. There are either films coming out or there are films on and you either like the films or you don't. Yeah. And I think I have noticed post-COVID, not only are cinema tickets cheaper, at like multiplexes, I'd say. Or you've got the multi-pass ticket things. Yeah. Yes, but I, I'm, yeah, multi-pass things. Or I'm noticing they are bringing back more films oh, that man. people are likely yeah. to love, just giving people more of a reason to get out of the flat James. of the doom scroll through Netflix. The other night, about a week ago, I opened my app on my local cinema just to see what was showing, mm. even though I couldn't make it that night. And I was so annoyed because that night at seven o'clock was Terminator 2 Judgment Day on the big screen. Mm. And you I know would what, so love to have seen that. You know what Talia's going to do? She's going to see Alien and Aliens at the double IMAX. bill at the IMAX. And I could have gone, but I'm in New York. So she was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I'd it's love this to. Weekend, it's, I, would have, I would have done it, but I'm busy as I well. I know. So she got invited by a friend. She was like, will I like it? And I'm like, it'll be great. It'll be a long, it's like quite long, slow horror. But like to see it on the big screen is, will be incredible. And Aliens, one of my favorites, yeah. I think, of there, one of my favorite films. They're both, I, they're both whilst great. Whilst talking about IMAX stuff, they also showed 2001. Yeah. But I was also busy. That was this I know, weekend. And we were literally talking about it the other week. And I was, I'm still not over this. I'm just going to vent about it. I, by the way, this is from a very sort of like, obviously we're, we're living in London. That's a London perspective of like, we have yes, a great offering of films to choose from. But just talking about IMAX, so people might be aware that the, the 40th anniversary uh, of Stop Making Sense is coming out and they've reissued the film for it, which is mm. the, one of the best concert films of all time. If, any, if anyone knows when I've had the, those emails come in and ask us what our best cinematic experiences mm. are, our best, best experiences are in the cinema, Stop Making Sense for me is always their number one and they're reissuing it this year. And I was like, look, do I go and rewatch it again at the cinema having had such a great experience the first time round? Yeah, do you want to like- uh, Do I want to do it? And I said to myself, well, I'd only do that if they showed it in IMAX. Uh. James? They, if came and went, I, really? I, I Googled, I thought, I better just Google. I, wonder if they, yeah. I, I just thought, what if they do it in the IMAX? Mm. Oh, they're doing it for the IMAX. Two nights only, sold out, done. Yeah. With a live feed q and there's more of an appetite for these things than they give credit for. And I, I was furious because I was like, that's the only, I would love to have seen, of all the films yeah. I can think of to see in IMAX, I, I would know. say that one. Maybe Blade Runner 2049. But it now creates a sense of urgency of when you see it, you're like, oh, I have to book it. I have to. But, I can't, but I can't replicate that experience now. No, I know. The best thing I can do is see it in the cinema. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, you never know, they might do it again. Unlikely. Anyway, um, I'm so sorry. Uh, Adam, just to round out your email, you do also talk about how great uh, Harris Dickinson is. 
And you yeah. say he comes across as such a genuine and thoughtful guy that could easily, you could easily share a pint with in a spoons. He's incredibly yeah. talented and has stolen the show in See How They Run, The King's Man, Where the Crawdads Sing, and Triangle of Sadness. He feels like a guy I would have met who's like, when I was at uni, my housemate's friend's friend. Yeah. He's like, yeah, do acting at the moment. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, cool, man. You and then you really see cool. him. I've, I've, this isn't true, but. <laughs> Thanks for your brilliant podcast and all the best, Adam. Thank you, Adam. This next one is from Sadie, who writes in with the subject line Theatre Camp. Hi, James and George. Yes. I just listened to your non review of Theatre Camp, George. Yes. I did a non review of Theatre Camp, which is a film I saw last week, but in kind of doing a non review, I kind of did a review. And the fact was, it was just kind of like, it was fine. It was meh. I did have some a more of a reaction to the film than George, and I would like to give my thoughts. I loved it. As a big okay. musical theatre fan, I was definitely the target audience, but I thought it was so funny and was laughing throughout the whole thing. I also found the ending quite heartening and left the theatre rather uplifted. I've caught myself singing the final song and smiling at certain jokes I've, since I've seen it. I do agree that the film could have committed more to the documentary, in inverted commas, or just to have not included it at all, but I didn't really mind, and that's my only small critique. Again, half-assing the documentary thing. All or nothing. Yeah. Um, overall, I thought it was such fun. Can't wait to rewatch it in a couple of years when I've forgotten most of the jokes and can laugh all over again. All the best. Sadie from California. P.S. My unpopular opinion, I'd like to add myself to the smallest of people who prefer Monsters University over Monsters, Inc. Okay, Both is... fantastic. Monsters University has just imprinted on me much more. Again, that's, that's the third or fourth yeah. time since we went after Monsters University. That's a really... That's yeah. I, I, that's an interesting. If someone asked me, "What have you found interesting? What have you learned from the podcast?" I would yeah. say, "Guess what? A lot of people prefer Monsters University <laughs> yeah, to yeah, Monsters Inc." Yeah. Hey, take a seat. I always find that interesting. But um, yeah, a, a fan of Theatre Camp. Thank you. And the next email is from Liliana uh, about the Hollywood strikes. And Liliana says, "Hi guys, I hope you're doing well." I've just listened to your episode on the Hollywood strikes. I think that was uh, last week when we did about the delays of yep. the films. And I, and I sort of wanted to ask a follow-up question. Obviously, the strikes aren't only delaying films, but also series. Within the long list of series that have been delayed, two in particular caught my eye, Stranger Things and Euphoria. Mm. Both series are supposed to be teenage dramas, but after COVID delays and now strike delays, most of the actors are going to be well past their teenage years when they get around to filming They're next They're going to have to do an it with Stranger Things, like cut. Or just cut. digitally de-age them. <laughs> That's what they did with some of the kids. In It Part 2, they de-aged the kids. Oh, I, no, I was just going to say, like, you set it 20 years later. Oh, that makes much more sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, do you think studios should just take the hit and cancel these series as the series continuity Ooh. will be lost, given the fact that the actors in the series are definitely not going to look the age they are portraying? Or do you think they should just reimagine the next seasons, and f like you probably said, like said mm. it in the future, and find a way where the characters' age, age difference in between series can be justified? Or do you think we, we as an audience just need to go with it, accept the magic of Hollywood where an almost 30-year-old can play a teenager? I don't have the right answer or even a preferred answer. I just want to know your opinion on the matter. Apologies for the long email. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Smiley face. Nice. Lily, in brackets, Lily. <laughs> so she's written Lily with an I. Yeah, in Lily, brackets, with Lily with a Y. Thank you, uh, Lily. Oh, uh, Lily. Uh, oh, 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 not Lily. 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 Oh, Lily. <laughs> Your Venezuelan correspondent writing in from sunny Bournemouth, James. Um, we had a conversation a really long time ago about how uh, the difference between cinema and TV. We talked about the benefits and detriments of them both. And one of the detriments of TV, like, so the benefits of TV, you get to tell this long story. Yeah to evolve you get to know your characters but the detriments are you're dealing with budgets yeah. your actors potentially changing like people drop in and out of shows mm. writer strikes that is hard when you're trying to capture a tv show over such a period of time and it's no wonder yeah shows like all the shows that will likely be bad in the next two years because of the the strikes which i'm not saying it's a bad thing i'm saying that's likely what's going to happen you you are at risk when you're telling a story 
uh, over so many years when you have to pause? Specifically about Stranger Things and Euphoria, I will say that with Stranger Things, the whole last season built was basically establishing everything for, for the, the final season. Right. And I think they can just about... I mean, they're already looking a little bit older anyway, but like they've all gone through their growth spurt. And those actors, even if they shoot it next year or the year after, they're still going to be in their early 20s. Yeah. You know, it's not like... um, I mean, uh, Anna watched uh, Never Have I Ever, the, you know, the show on Netflix. Like, no. but anyway, she was watching that and there was, I saw a bit in the fit and I was like, oh, that's cool. She was like, yeah, this guy's really handsome. And I was like, all right. She was like, he's 32. <laughs> Play against like a 19 <laughs> yeah. year old. Anyway, um, but with Euphoria, you know what? I, I thought about this the other day and I was like, I, I, because Sam Levinson came out and said apparently, uh, the next season of Euphoria is going to be like a, a noir and it's going to be, you know, rude. That's, so, that's quite typical actually yeah. now I've seen. And I think, and I just thought, you know what, I think I'm, I think I don't need any more Euphoria. Look, mm. um, Angus Cloud sadly died, Very tra- sad, tragically. Yeah. Um, Barbie Ferreira's left the show because she was just like, my character didn't get anything, mm. wasn't given anything else to do. And it did feel sidetracked season two after yeah, like, I mean, sitting with it. It was like so, yeah, inventive and, and like propulsive mm. and energetic. But like when I got to the end, I, I'm now just like, I don't... But I remember seeing like two episodes and doing impressions and being like, yes, it's like there. And it did that really great um, like intro story to some of the characters. But yeah. then it really just sort of spiraled out. And Do I need, I don't need, I don't need more of this mess. Because mm. they also kind of resolved quite a lot by the end. And I... Yeah. I can't have another one of just... I can't have another series of Zendaya just spinning around a room to Labyrinth. Go, oh, I said once and In a church and yeah. Labyrinth is there, but he's gone. To be honest, the scene, that scene was good when she yeah. was in the church. It was great. And the moment when um, the Sinead O'Connor also sadly passed away. Oh, God, yeah. Um, oh, my God. When the guy was singing Sinead O'Connor and it intercut. It didn't well, really make that sense. That was stupid. Yeah, intercut with the... It was good. With the Sydney Sweeney doing it. Anyway, uh, that's what I think. So I think, yeah, you know what? You move on from Euphoria and... Uh, but, but should the audience things, just be able to go with it and accept the magic of Hollywood? It, it literally depends it on the cast. Yeah. If you look at that cast and, and they look... For, if they look like... Way older. Oh, sorry, a friend of mine reminded me of this the other day. If they look like... Um, Sonny in Greece. Have you ever seen a picture of the actor who plays Sonny <laughs> yeah, in Greece? He's 48. Yeah. If, if they look like that, and he's the one that's the line, like, did she put up a fight? Yeah, it's yeah. like, who's that guy's dad yeah. talking about, like, just, well, keep pushing for it and she'll keel over. If you don't know what, what you can't picture it, Google <laughs> Sonny in Greece. And he's meant to be 17, 18. He looks like he drives a cab in the Bronx, okay? <laughs> he shouldn't be at a school. I don't care how much they smoked in the 1950s. It's not, no one was doing it. Anyway. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for writing in your emails. We love to hear them. Send in your emails to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'll read them out in future episodes of the show. Let's end the show with a game. George, as always, Pop Kitchen ends... With, with a, a game. game I've got three miscellaneous games for you if you don't know we play games sometimes I'll just throw you've got to name seven in 30 yeah you you are niche niche with them you've got to be you've got to be weird seven be something, something in 30 seconds seven something in 30 seconds the seven in 30 um, these are good fun so what did I do last time we did um, Somebody, what came out first but did I do and also you did characters oh I said name got... seven Adam Sandler movies in 30 seconds and, last week and, and, was that last week or two weeks it ago it was ages ago ages and, and characters lost an arm so. Yes, yeah, that was good. But go on. So, George, are you ready for your first round of name seven in 30? Play along at home. I need my timer for 30 yep. seconds. Yep. Oh, I'm nervous. I always get nervous with these ones. I know, they are a bit. Don't worry, it'll be great. 
Okay, George, are you ready? You have to name seven films with an animal in the title. You have 30 seconds. Your time starts now. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes. Um, the Whale. Yes. Um, Hatchie, A Dog's Tale. Sure. Um, cats and Dogs. Yes. Uh, cats and Dogs, The Return of Kitty Galore. No sequels, no sequels. Shit! Um, 10 seconds. Ah, oh, Silence of the Lambs. Yes. The Lion King. Yes. Bugs Life. Yes. Oh, just. <laughs> I said no sequels because you could do like Spider-Man, all of them. Oh, fair enough, Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yes, is a recent uh, one. Yes, again, when I have lots of time, of course. <laughs> Warhorse. Warhorse. Yeah, that's a good one. Pink Panther. Yeah. yeah. Did you like the fact I went for a non-animal, a one that doesn't actually have an animal in it, which is the whale? Yeah. <laughs> well... There's no whale. Oh, in the yeah, so sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, oh, what? Because he I looked like a whale, <laughs> James. <laughs> I forgot the title. I was like, oh. Um, Whew, okay, good. Very well done. Yeah, when, I, when I, I thought of it, and instead of looking, I did it with myself, and I was like, oh my God. And then I, saw, I instead started going through the animals, not the films. Ah. So you know what I mean? I found that easier. I was like, horse, ant, ants, beetle. That is, um, seven is a good number. I think so. Okay. Seven and 30. Ready, George? Same again. Okay, George. You need to name me seven films that are set over 500 years ago. You have 30 seconds. Your time starts now. Elizabeth? Like Elizabeth the Golden Age? Yes. No, that's 400 years ago. Is it not? Okay. 1600s. Um, 500 years. Um, Gladiator. Yes. Um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, I'll give it. Um, uh, 10,000 years BC. Yes. <laughs> um... Uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian. <laughs> Come on, give it. The Passion of the Christ. Yes. Um, the, li- uh, the, the Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> uh, oh, Christ. <laughs> That's Almost. allowed. Yeah, you're good. So like, I, I actually found this I hard. wasted time with fucking... But there's quite a good catchy. So you can go Spartacus, Moses uh, and Ten Commandments. Yeah. Uh, you did Bib- 10,000 BC. Yeah, Ben-Hur. All the remember, biblical epics. All the biblical good. epics were a good part to go down. Do you remember year one with Michael Serra and Jack Black? <laughs> that's yeah, that's no, a good well, one, yeah. like, setting. I put, uh, Troy said... Do you remember no, Alexander, I didn't say Troy. Gladiator, yeah. Oh, sorry. Troy I remember Troy. Alexander the Great with Colin Farrell and Ant- Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah, wow. And then Beowulf. Oh, Hercules, God, yeah. There's loads of Herculeses. Yeah. But, um, Hercu- yeah. Herculi. Herculeis. Uh, wow. Exodus Gods and Kings yeah, with well, Christian yeah, Bale. Yeah, of course, yeah. The, the biblical epics and... You're Do right. you remember Pompeii with Kit, Kit Harrington, Harrington and Kiefer Sutherland? Is he That's in it? Wow. Th- yeah, he's like the bad guy. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why I said what that. What about weird. 65? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> straight away. <laughs> when it, when it's in the title, those are the ones to go for. But an interesting... Category, like, because fi- I, I really am denied about how far back I go. I don't know why I just, my first choice was to go for a film that's right on the borderline. We don't have to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. I should have just rejected it outright. Because I thought, what if I did a hundred years ago? But then there's no. quite a lot of like revolutionary war stuff. And uh, yeah, anyway. What, there's going to be someone out there who, who, who fought in the revolutionary war. <laughs> it's going to go, oh, I, I find that offensive. All right. Last one. George, are you ready? This is another name, seven in 30. How well did you do? I'm interested in. Um, okay, ready? You have to name seven superhero films with no sequels. You have 30 seconds, and they can't be filled sequels that are in development. I'm talking no sequel. You have 30 seconds. Your time starts now. Fantastic Four 2015. Yes. Green Lantern. Yes. Green Hornet. Yes. Uh, 
Superman Returns. Yes. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Time. So, <sighs> what is... You did very well. You got four. There are almost no superhero films that do not have sequels. So, you said... Uh, Fan Four Stick, yeah. Green Hornet, Green Lantern, which yeah. were all not successes. Yeah. Um, Superman Returns. Superman Returns, which is a bit of a sort of, it's just- It is a, a two, it is a sequel, isn't it? No, but it's not, but it's a standalone. I, I think it's very yeah, standalone that didn't get a sequel. And it, um, it's really like, it, it's in this weird period pre-2008. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's when we were, Brian Singer doing X-Men, jumps in to do Superman, yeah. doesn't get picked up. Oh, Supergirl. Supergirl. Supergirl as well. So you've got the Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Oh, yes. You've got Ang Lee's Hulk. Ang Lee's with Hulk. You've got The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. With, which didn't get a sequel. <laughs> Go on. No, because Mark Ruffalo is meant to be that character. And I know it's not a sequel sequel, but like... No, I don't count it. I don't count Avengers They're bringing Liv Tyler from that film back in... in but like, I don't count Avengers being a sequel okay, to Iron line. Man. All right, all right. So fair. I think, I think you d it didn't get a sequel. Um... Big Hero 6 counts technically, but it's yeah, on the edge. That's a good one, I like uh, that. The Punisher from 2004, which I've no, not seen. No, that did get a sequel. It was it called Punisher it. Warzone with a different actor. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. take it back. So the only MCU films that don't have sequels or sequels announced is Eternals, Shocker. right? There have been talks, but there's no like yeah. Eternals who's coming. And Black Widow for obvious plot reasons. The Black, the, some of the characters in Black Widow are getting a TV show or a film. Which characters? You know, Florence Pugh and David Harbour, like that ragtag oh. group, they're getting something. Oh, God. Yeah, they're getting one. But isn't that literally every Marvel film? That uh, Marvel a good, that's quite a hard question. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I've read you all of the superhero films. So how many could I have got? So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and you said a twelfth one. So I think twelve, you have to name seven. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I got isn't one. That so I got four. You got uh, four, yeah. Okay. That's quite an interesting one. That is. That is that Unsurprising, is, yeah. but yeah. also I'm like, it's I was just, really... It's not just a it? game, it's a statement on the industry. It is. I try, I try to keep them political. Uh, okay, George, I now have a cast list Let's countdown. Let's end the cast list countdown. I'm gonna, we are going to play cast list countdown. This is a game where I'm going to read a cast in the order of supporting actors to lead star. George has to tell me what film I'm talking about before I get to the end of the cast list. George... Are you ready? I'm ready. You have to guess the film based on its cast in three, two, one. Randall Park. Okay. Keenan Thompson. Okay. Max Greenfield. Okay. Jack McBrayer. Okay. Michael Shannon. Adam Scott. John Stamos. What? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jason Mantzoukas. Um. Ellie Kemper. Ed Helms. Uh, uh, Kobe Smulders. Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Bill Hader. Um. David Wayne. Amy Poehler. Last one, Paul Rudd. Do you know what this film is? 
Okay, I think I do, but I've not seen it. Yeah. Is it They Came Together? Yes, from yeah. 2014. Yeah, the, a really forgotten comedy. But Edgar Wright think, really rates it. I know that. And it's... um Wow, so they came together. Yeah, and I think it's like a real intense satire, like very much turned up satire. On rom- rom-coms? Yeah, on rom-coms. And... Um, I've I've not thought about it, and then I saw that come up on my TikTok, and I saw the cast, and I went, "Don't mind if I do." Don't mind if I do content, but yeah, it's there, and um, I think it has a bit of a a bit of a cult following. I think there's some people out there who really root for it. I mean, you just said Edgar Wright, but um, it says it's got seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that we look at those anymore, <laughs> um, but yeah, they came together. Look at that cast of comedy talent in there. Yeah, you really threw me. I was starting to think Evan Almighty, Bridesmaids, yeah. Cedar Rapids, because you got a lot of uh, alumni. From- you, from this film. You got people who are in loads of other films together with each yeah. other. Like, you've got the, the whole DNA family tree of American yeah. film. Co- well, there you go, guys. Thank you so much for spending your time with us and for listening to episode 92 of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post new episodes of the show every single Wednesday. And as every week, guys, please continue to support us on Instagram and TikTok. Like, subscribe, share, follow. We really appreciate it. Give us a review. If you've listened to this on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Spotify, you can leave a comment as well and, and add to the five-star rating. Just give us five-star ratings. If you listen to us in real time and it's a Friday and you're listening to us this week, go check out the bonus. Yes, yeah. If, if it's Friday right now as you're listening to this, go yeah, check out the more bonus. Fun, um, and more just, antics. Keep your eye on the feed. Really appreciate you joining oh, guys, us. The support recently, amazing. We feel very We're climbing up the charts. Very blessed. It's so good, and we are literally the. I'm not to brag. We are the only independent podcast in like the top 15 of that chart. Everyone else is like titans of industry. And it's because of you guys. This is Pulp, Ki- Pulp Kitchen Media Limited. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, These guys. Four walls. <laughs> so thank, thank you so much. Have a great week, guys. Yeah.